Welcome to Pablo Torre Finds Out. I am Pablo Torre, and today we're going to find out what this sound is. The amount of sports analogies in my Twitter mentions last night of people being like, wow, you really almost bucknered that whole thing. Right after this ad. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Part of this, I imagine, is that what we'll do is that Dan did not watch and Dan will learn what happened. Oh, Dan has not watched. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, because I saw him text that he wasn't watching. I, I feel like he was asleep by that point. <laughs> and, uh, but I don't know. Maybe he has. Maybe he's caught up. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Welcome to Highly Questionable. I'm Dan Levitar. That's Pablo uh, Torre and Katie Nolan. They're talking about me behind my back. Before we can't see that you're here. Before that's we've started. Uh, <laughs> we didn't know you were here. That's not fair. Well, we're that's, just talking about how you go to sleep at like, you know, 4 p.m. now. <laughs> Which that, is fine. That, that's dinner. No, dinner's at 4 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, and then I need my digestive tract to rest, and then I go to sleep <laughs> about 8 or 9. Yeah, I imagine you like a boa constrictor. Yeah, it's just slowly. You see, like, the cartoon refrigerator making its way through the outline of your body over time. What Dan does not fully appreciate is that Katie Nolan... Um, finally can talk about what feels like the greatest night in your life. I don't it's know. Where there. are we hyperbolically? No, it's up there. It was fun. It was fun. Should I say what it is? Are you going to say? I feel like we have to say it, that you are— uh, We're talking, Dan, to a Celebrity Jeopardy semifinalist now. Look at that. She's beaming. This is this is sheer <laughs> radiance on her. I would think fun you can say now. I would imagine terror beforehand. No, like that's not yes. fun from the very yes. start. That only became fun when you were crushing it. Yeah, it was uh, it was very scary. I think that a big I mean, I watch Jeopardy every night and I feel like a big part of it was like how I started. So when I got out there and I it was like the first question, I was like, this is you got to set the tone you're either going to be good at this or you're going to suck at this. And the rehearsal that they give you right before goes so fast. And I could not get the buzzer. And I didn't. The questions were really hard. And it psyched me out. And then I got out there. And then you saw, if you did see, or Dan, maybe you didn't. The I first did not. Went this, pretty, this is what I saw. Well. If I may, Katie, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. But all I know is that I came in this morning and on my television. And it made it legitimately made me smile happy <laughs> watching my television to see that the Golics were talking on their DraftKings show about... About you, I couldn't hear. The sound was not up, but I saw a giant money total where you were and also making me smile. $75 from the person next to you. I didn't see a third person. I just saw you oh. had some giant amount of money, like $17,000, and then the person next to you had $75. Shout out How Sherry Shepard, the absolute sweetest woman on the planet. But that third person, yeah. a big f*** you to them. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Hold on. We, we got to explain... What made me smile while I was watching Celebrity Jeopardy, and it was a text that I got from a friend of mine, Michael Cruz Kane, who's a writer uh, for Colbert, and he said this, quote, I didn't think you had the ability to do that, but you deserve it. Um, what Michael Cruz Kane texted me was, quote, what your girl Katie Nolan is doing on Celebrity Jeopardy right now is unkind. <laughs> Because this, Dan, this is how this episode of Celebrity Jeopardy got going. Chef Jamie Oliver's website says that if you use lamb instead of beef for cottage pie, it should go by this occupational name. Katie. What is shepherd's pie? You got it. Oh, I did? Katie. What is a Leo? Correct. Mm. E. Katie. 
Again. What is a levy? My Chevy to the levy, yes. <gasps> Katie? What is Volvo? That's correct. Katie? What is Dalmatian? That's it. Mm. Katie? What is a Kiwi? Yes, it is. Katie? What is Vatican City? Right again. Katie? What is Scrub Daddy? You seem very happy about I, Scrub Daddy. Because I have a personal connection to Scrub Daddy. It Aww. just makes me very happy. <laughs> This oh my God! Cruel. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I am watching televised cartoon confidence muscles grow. Look at yes. her body language. She goes from whatever the darkness was of fear to oh, I got this, surprising herself, and then you can just see her gather strength. It was, and I, I, I mean this so sincerely. It felt like I was watching an athlete. A oh, hot streak. She's in the zone. Oh, in the zone. Yes, she's going to hit a lot of straight shots. Feeling it. In fact, it felt more specifically like watching an NBA player in a celebrity basketball oh, game. Yeah. Like this person should not be like this is this is <laughs> this is not fair. Even better though, for dorks it's the greatest thing. It's she's in the brain zone. She's not just in a zone. She's not just in a zone. She's in a zone where she's showing everybody that she's kicking ass at being smart or, and I don't have context for this, the other celebrities were terrible. <laughs> no, they weren't. Well, Christopher Maloney. A former Jeopardy champion, former Celebrity Jeopardy champion, Christopher Maloney. From Law & Order, Christopher Maloney and Sherry Shepard. You'll notice in that montage, if you're watching on the DraftKings Network or on YouTube, that their totals don't really go up at all. The first round was rough. Yours, though, you, 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 it, it felt like watching an adult play video games against children. And here's the thing. They probably felt that way celebrity-wise. They were probably like, we are so famous, <laughs> and who is this woman? <laughs> I ringer. truly think that my whole career has been just to get famous enough so I can go on Jeopardy without having to take the test. And that's what I did. I got to be honest, was. I didn't think any of us were famous enough to be on Celebrity Jeopardy. I don't think of myself as someone who is famous enough to be on Celebrity Jeopardy. Me neither, but I, and I, I was, and I still don't. <laughs> I can't tell if what Katie did means that they want to invite more such people who are really good at Jeopardy, even if they're over-indexing on the skill and under-indexing on, like, the <laughs> curating. Because at some point, it got uncomfortable for me to watch. No way. Like, because of this. As Charles Darwin could tell you, to do this is to gradually change or develop over time. Sherry. What is evolution? Sorry, no. Katie. What is evolve? Evolve, that. yes. That's part of evolution. <laughs> yeah, so close. Is this how we're starting it off? I don't want you to be mad. Okay, all right, I'm with you. Demonyms uh, for 500, please. It's how you might refer to a resident of Tirana, a capital city near the Adriatic coast, or to a resident of New York's state capital. Christopher. What is Albania? Alba Albany. I'm sorry, Albania. no. <laughs> Sherry or Katie? Katie. What is an Albanian? Pity. Yes, go put it in there to pick up. You know what? I've done it twice right now. Here. I've done it twice now. You know what? I'm not. If I need this money later, if I'm not doing well later, so I have I like to take you it. I like you a boss lady, but, but this I like right you here, both so much. You got to watch your mouth around her. She's listening to everything you two say. This means so much to me. <laughs> She was dead. She was apologizing while for taking their money them. for winning. And I'm sitting there and I still don't know what a demonym is. I still don't know. <laughs> I, I don't either, to be quite honest. It was just like that's I've always watched Jeopardy and been like, oh, I feel bad for when somebody buzzes in and they get it, but they don't phrase it right, or they get it, but they don't use the form of a question, and then somebody buzzes in right after them and gets I was not um I wouldn't have gotten Albanian. I wasn't without his I, help. I know now. With, without his incompetence. Yeah, you yeah. needed his incompetence. I know the capital now. You had to feel like the universe, the cosmos, <laughs> were just lobbing lobs to you where I don't know the answer, but these these pitiful fools are no, going to these, give me the answer by playing moron no, celebrities. No, they were so nice. I want to be clear, they were so nice, and I really truly love them. I don't know if they love me. But I really uh, did like them. I accidentally called Christopher Chris when I met him, and I was, like, very embarrassed because he was like, it's Christopher. Well, what happened next in this emotional roller coaster um, took a dark turn for Christopher Maloney because I want you to watch <laughs> Christopher Maloney's face oh, no. in these next couple of moments. Just just zoom in Ugh. as everyone else is celebrating Katie Nolan and, <laughs> and, and <f> <laughs> Detective Stabler. <laughs> 
an investigative report? You're doing an investigative report on this man's face. Tell us about your charity, Katie. Oh, yeah, I'm playing for the Association of Women in Sports Media, uh, which, you know, I am a woman in sports media, but we need more. Uh, Sports media is still like 80% male. Um, So AWSM has uh, campus chapters. They have a scholarship program, mentorship, um, networking events, just to try to bring more women and more unique voices into sports media. That's fantastic. Well done. Absolutely. Applaud, applaud, applaud. <laughs> no. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Again, Dan, go watch. Sl- go slow on his face. He's got no time. He doesn't look like he wants women in sports media. <laughs> what is gaslighting? That's the word, yes. We had $2,000. <laughs> Christopher Maloney refusing to clap for women in sports media and then... For your successful daily double, did not feel accidental. I, he, I, so he was two people away from me, and so during the actual taping, I did not pick up on how mad his energy was. I don't know if he was mad. He was hostile. He seemed pretty well, mad. I don't know. If watching it's mad. it back last night, I was like, oh, he's mad. I don't know if it's <laughs> mad or hostile, but I will say, I can say without a word spoken that he is both uh, not for women in the media <laughs> and pro gaslighting. It felt like that's how it felt like to me. But the climax of this episode, and it is in so many senses (laughs) a climactic thing, is Katie Nolan, Dan. Katie Nolan has more than twice as much money Uh. as the second place contestant, Christopher Maloney, as established. And then final jeopardy begins. What What happens here? Everything. Don't mess with Texas. Sam Houston's troops shouted this three word battle cry while attacking Santa Ana's army at San Jacinto. 30 seconds, players. Good luck. Christopher Maloney was in second place with 8,800. He wrote down, what is remember the Alamo? Yes, that's the slogan. Your wager? Wagered it all. You have $17,600. Now, Katie Nolan had that big lead. Did she have Remember the Alamo? I did. She did. Now, math, not your favorite part of I the game. Oh, no. You just had to wager no. more than uh, $3,500. No. And you're a and champion. And I wagered $3,500. You wagered exactly <laughs> $3,500. Oh, no. Christopher and Katie Whoa. are exactly tied. <laughs> and we're going to be going to a tiebreaker clue. No! Come on! Katie, Christopher, pick up your signaling devices. I'm going to read a single category and clue. I've never seen The them. first one of you to buzz in with the correct response is our winner and our semifinalist. But I do need a correct response. Your category is French history. And here's the clue. Drink up. A famous New Orleans street is named after this dynasty that ruled France for most of the 17th and 18th centuries. Katie... What is bourbon? It is bourbon! Yes! Yes! In your face! (laughs) So what you're watching, and you got to watch this on on YouTube or the DraftKings Network, is Christopher Maloney and Katie Katie Nolan both arriving at the same exact total, $17,600, going to a sudden death clue off. (laughs) And Katie's celebrating like she what, just won the fucking what Super Bowl. a magic carpet ride. Katie, I couldn't have written that up better if I, I was know. trying to write script writing on, have her foul it up here, the whole thing at the end with her bad math, and then at the end still club that uh, that stoic uh, misery over there, Christopher, <laughs> uh, still club him in the face That's at detective. the end with one final indignity. What what a championship effort by you. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank you so much. They- I want to do what Christopher Maloney refused to do and clap oh, for you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank um, you so much. What he was too busy doing, though, Katie, as we humiliate you by celebrating you. <laughs> um, Dan, this is what Christopher Maloney, if we're going to zoom in on that pivotal moment when he saw his life flash before his eyes, this is what he was trying to do. This is the video of him. <laughs> Desperately trying to buzz in to the point that it looks like he's actively masturbating. I mean, it looks like is he adjusting his jacket? Is he jacking off? No, he's let me just see trying that. Let me see that again. again. I thought I thought he was angry and pulling on the sleeve of oh, his that is jacket. Such a, gen- a, such a generous read. This is a man who thinks he has the answer and is desperately trying. 
I mean, he has sure. the answer. It was an easy question. He has the answer. Yeah, but you were so close to blowing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The, oh my the, God. the, the 28 to 3 lead. <laughs> yeah, I know. You were so close to embodying. The amount of sports analogies in my Twitter mentions last night of people being like, wow, you really almost bucknered that whole thing. Pablo, do you realize that <laughs> if she had... We wouldn't be able to have any fun with this because she'd be she'd be oh, ravaging upset. her face I'd today. I'd be at home. Correct. I would not be here. You guys are not paying me. I would yeah. be at home. <laughs> <laughs> I would have slept in today and and you know kept the blinds so down close. That would have been sad. like a lifetime regret to get your math yeah. wrong. To get your math wrong, it would have gone mm -hmm. to echoing oh. shame and laughter. Oh. So close. So can I tell? I haven't been able to tell this story yet. When Please. they they so they um. I don't know if it's like this in regular Jeopardy, but it, when they go to commercial and they say, here's the final Jeopardy category, make your wagers, we'll be right back. They brought out paper and a pen. <laughs> and they were like, you can check your math, you can whatever, and then you got to put in your wager. So I do the math because my dad and I had watched a Celebrity Jeopardy like right before I went. And he was like, just take what they're, double theirs and then see what the difference is between yours and what theirs doubled could be. And that's the number you got to beat. I, I did all that, and I double and triple checked that I got that number right. And I forgot that you then also have to, like, add one. <laughs> wow. But we had seen somebody who did that, but they got the question wrong, and they ended up losing enough money that when they lost that money, the other person's double was higher than theirs. So I was, like, overthinking oh, that part. Oh, wait. Because it was, like, rallying cries. And I was like, I don't actually know if I know any rallying cries. So I don't, I'm afraid to, like, risk more than I need to, which is why I did exactly 3,500, which again, I know now is not correct, but is why I didn't round up to like 4,000 because I wasn't feeling that confident about the clue itself. Then we are done. They take away the papers. I actually said out loud, can somebody check my math? I was like, can I get somebody else to check my math? And they said, no. <laughs> can I get a non-celebrity to right. check this math? <laughs> so then they go, uh, they're like, okay, three, two, one. And Ken says, welcome back to Jeopardy. And I think he flubbed a line or something. They had to redo the intro. In that moment, I realized... Oh, no. ...what had happened. <laughs> and we were about to retape, and I almost said, can I change my wager before we go? Before we start? Because I'm like, integrity-wise, because they give you this big speech before you go out there. There's like a, a game show, Cop, who comes over and tells you, like... <laughs> There's a game show, you are, Christopher Maloney. Well, so Christopher Maloney got really buddy-buddy with him, and I was like, man, you love cops, huh? <laughs> um, but he came over and he was like, these are the rules of the game. You are entitled to know the rules of the game. If at any point in the game you feel the rules have not been explained to you, you can stop and ask for the rules, and they will be... Re so they were very serious about the integrity of it. And in my head, I'm like, well... We're retape. We're starting over, and the no clue has been revealed. Nothing has happened. Can I just change it? But I chickened out, and I didn't ask. So then that whole block where everybody's saying their answers, once I found out, I think you can actually hear it when Christopher Maloney gets it right, I think I whispered, <laughs> because I think that's when I realized I, too, got it right, and we are going to overtime. Like, I knew right away um, that I'm a big, dumb idiot. Well, and then what they don't show is that there's a break while they have to prepare the overtime. So there, it was like a, a quite a significant amount of time of sitting there stewing <laughs> in the fact that I just blew it and that it was all over for me. But there was a point where, and if I may sports this up, there was a point where I was, uh, you know, standing there cursing myself, being like, how could you do this? You were in the lead the whole time. You ruined the whole thing. And then I was like, look, you could still win. You could still win. There's still a chance you could win. And nobody has ever won something after giving themselves this pep talk of like, you <laughs> suck. You blew it. And so I was like, Let, you're okay. You've done really, really well. You made a dumb mistake. But now you're going to redeem yourself and everything's going to be fine. And I had Sherry Shepard being like, it's okay. It's all right. I would have done the same thing. Uh, so it was. It ended up being fine, but that's why. Shout out to Sherry Shepard. I know she didn't have the showing she probably wanted on Celebrity Jeopardy, but if seventy-five dollars is how I know her. Yep. If I could just endorse her as a person, she was a very sweet. All right. Sweet shout out angel. to you, seventy-five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, a big f you to Stabler. No, I wanted him to like me so bad, and boy, did I blow it. He did not. Yeah, you found he out did not that he like hates me. you. I know. Katie Nolan found out. <laughs> He found um, out hard. What 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 is next for uh, you? In so this? next is the semifinals. So it'll be three people who 
did what I did. So won their episode, and then we meet in the semifinals. And then from there, one person will then go on to the final, which will be against two other people who made the same journey up a different side of the bracket. Damn. I do not know when it airs yet, but it has been taped. And I cannot say any more than that. Wow. It's, um, it, this is the coolest, I know people are probably like, all right, Katie's been on everything talking about this, but like, this is the, this is my peak. So, um, <laughs> thank you for letting me talk about it. I brought a story, but I guess we won't even talk about it. Um, I wanted to talk about baseball, but no, we, I guess we can talk about celebrity jeopardy. No, we can do baseball if you want. No, we I can... was completely kidding. Completely kidding. <laughs> I, uh, this is the only reason I came. I don't even know what stories you guys brought. I'm gonna find out together with you. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. So just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code PTFO. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. I think in keeping with the theme yeah. of uh, how one takes a massive mountain of success oh, no. and jeopardizes all of it, <laughs> Uh, Dan, do you want to go next? Yes, uh, because I did not do this purposely to bother Katie, but I am sure. fascinated by what is going on in New England because you get to that level of success where you have spoiled your fan base with 20 years of unprecedented football triumph. Like, I just can't imagine the excellence that the Patriots have gotten used to. So they now have to endure what is Mac Jones and a couple of uh, losses here that are so painful that they disgrace and embarrass Bill Belichick and have people now tarnishing all of his past saying Tom Brady is responsible for it because as soon as Tom Brady not only goes to Tampa but then goes through the gauntlet without Belichick of the quarterbacks Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes to win a title without Bill Belichick, all of a sudden the either-or game that we play on credit and blame makes Bill Belichick look pretty mediocre with a 500, a sub-500 record after yes. Tom Brady. And so I ask you, Katie, what's fair criticism of Belichick when you've got a Boston radio host firing him after two games? Shocking. You've got, you've got Shannon Sharp saying Oh, oh, Dan, Dan, it's not just it's not just the gas bags that we think of as gas bags, by the way. Our very smart friend Dominique Foxworth said oh, this. No. I'm happy about all of this because sometimes you get a little arrogant. And you got to learn from a little discomfort. So I'm happy for Bill Belichick because now he's learning. Not only can you not substitute anybody in to be a coordinator or, or quarterback, uh, and not only can you uh, rely on your defensive acumen to strengthen your team throughout the course of this season, at some point you got to accept that you're not a genius. Not a genius. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't, I'm not a coaching genius either. Uh, so I can't really critique it from that level of understanding. I just feel like we are so in sports media quick to be like, he's the greatest or he sucks and has no talent. And we never are very good at this in-between of like, there's a lot of factors that go into this. It was crazy to me when Brady left and everybody's like, we're going to see if it was Brady or if it was Belichick. Like what? It was probably both. It was probably both of them. It was probably a combination of the two. And yes, they're separate and Tom goes and... I mean, nobody's saying Tom... I mean, people were saying Tom Brady wasn't talented, but nobody's saying it now. And I just feel like there's, a again, a lot of factors that go into this. But I do want to be clear as a Patriots fan, I understand we've earned this part. I understand this is the part where you're like, okay, you can't just love 
watching your team play football every weekend. Sometimes it's going to absolutely suck. Now, I forgot that it sucks this bad. Yeah, it hasn't uh, 34 sucked. to 0 to the Saints, 38 to 3 to the Cowboys. But the it first hasn't time. it has Katie in it's your life like in, in your lifetime as a sports fan, the Patriots haven't sucked like that. Like that's what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick bought you. It's been 20 yeah. years, correct? Like so Yeah, I don't and know. I'm only 20, so I've never <laughs> seen this. <laughs> I'm just saying like when when were the Patriots the, the last two games that the Patriots have played, I think I know. a generation has not seen the Patriots ever play those two games. Right. And I feel like if you are that generation and you see those two games and you go like, screw this team, fire the coach, you're an idiot. Because I just think that like, that's not how it works. The, it ebbs and it flows. And even if you think Bill Belichick isn't a genius, I would love you to point out who you're going to get to coach the team that's going to be better than Bill Belichick that is currently available. When you get to any point in football where you start believing you're, that you're that much smarter or that much better than everyone else, you can be humbled by the sport in a variety of ways, uh, especially as you age and young people come for your crown. So in that sport, you've got so many young coaches where the technical advantages are obvious, Pablo. On offense with McVay, with McDaniel, you can watch on offense and you're like, holy They've got a schematic advantage, but I do believe in football. Defense is so hard for the common person to understand and what Belichick does every week and taking away your most important thing, which no one else in the sport can do, ignores that two of those championships, one of them, well, I mean, Rams fans have to hate Belichick. Rams fans will never relinquish that mm -hmm. Bill Belichick is a genius because the greatest show on turf, the greatest team they've ever had in St. Louis, was stopped by not just Belichick, but a Tom Brady who had thrown one touchdown pass that entire postseason. Belichick won that title. And it was one of the greatest upsets we have ever seen with a quarterback who was not yet ready. And then 13 to three in the Super Bowl. That offense of McVay was very good. And he held it to three points. Like two of the titles there were won by Belichick. And for some reason, because we can't explain it, because we don't know how he stops those things. We're not sophisticated enough. That genius gets forgotten because we can't explain it. Well, this is the bigger story to me, and it's not just about wanting to rub salt in Katie's wounds as a Patriots fan. It's about actually talking about what it means for genius to be conditional like this. When you declare someone a genius after 20 years of, of clear, unambiguous genius behavior, what does it take for us to take it back? Two games, right? One mistake. Two games. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. but, but this One is, huge but, mistake. So before, right, like the stuff that Dan's alluding to defensively, like Bill Belichick is the genius who had pioneered the 3-4 defense and it got so popular because everyone was copying him that he switched back to the 4-3 because those interior linemen that he had mastered and figured out. Now everybody was trying to copy him. The idea of like, you know, these, these uh, seemingly slow white possession receivers. Like, I want all of them. And now that now that's everywhere, right? Everybody knows what that advantage was. So he's not moneyballing the way he used to be. Those competitive sort of strategic insights aren't as genius-like anymore. Tight, end, tight ends down the seam. Tight end, giant yes. basketball players running down the seam to make it easier for your quarterback. And and all of that is to say, leaving like the football nerdery of this aside, because I'm no I'm no coaching anything either. Um, the idea is, what job allows someone? to have that degree of success and then kicks them off stage <laughs> like this so cruelly, right? Is sports the ultimate example of that? Can we relate to any of what we're seeing with this guy? Because I would imagine it really must be infuriating oh my God, for Bill Belichick to have to hear to, this. To have to still oh feel like he has to prove himself oh. to somebody. Yes. Like, what? Uh, look at what I did. Wow. It's it's cruel for genius to be that conditional. It is cruel for genius to evaporate that quickly, week to week. Uh, but he's had a couple of years, Pablo, and it doesn't help him at all that as soon as Tom Brady left, he went and took over a team where Jameis Winston had them 7-9 and nine because he threw 30 <laughs> interceptions. And then, as I said, Tom Brady, without Belichick, goes through Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes, I think all of those on the road, right? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, and, come on. And by the way, Katie, like, he's also the GM. Yeah. And so it feels like people generally, you you don't want him to be the GM anymore, do you? I think that Bill should do whatever he... This is the behavior of a person who actually, like, 
feels like I. It feels emotionally like you, like you owe you owe him something. Yeah, I mean, tr- in Bill we trust. From you. Like I, I, I just have just that ingrained into my in Bill we trust. I assume he knows better than I do, and I just let him in in football. <laughs> Let me just be clear. Uh, I think not, I can take him on in Celebrity Jeopardy. Jeopardy. You no, I think I could take him on. You would kick his I don't think he knows that puce is a, a shade of red. Yeah, he I thinks Demonym is a slur. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I don't, it's hard for me to, who the hell am I to sit here and criticize Bill Belichick is what's happening Pablo, in my head right now. I, I'm with Katie on this part of it, right? Because I'm going through this in Miami, right? Like I was just having this conversation with Mike Ryan, who feels after 20 years of Pat Riley making the Heat matter, the way he made the Knicks matter, the way that he made the Lakers matter, uh, they're fed up because— That's right. They, no, you're going through that with him, exactly. Uh, but I'm going through it from this angle, right? I'm like—because people are coming at me and like, Dan, you're not going to criticize anything about Riley? And I'm like, look, at some point— I have to say that somebody obviously has a level of expertise over what they're doing that is above my critique. It's above my pay grade. He obviously knows, Belichick and Riley clearly know something about sports leadership that I am not, I am not sophisticated enough, smart enough, uh, worthy enough to do too much questioning of because they've done it so long that they can know more than I do. I'm with Katie on this. I'm not so arrogant and I can be pretty arrogant about know it all. <laughs> I am not so arrogant that I would think that I can that I can criticize these people. My guess is that their process is usually pretty good and sometimes the results aren't and I have to trust their process because they care more and know more about their process than I do. Yeah, I am glad that we finally arrived at the fact that we all need to trust the process. Oh my God, you would. I mean, that's you would. so lame that I that's where you would like take you that. Would. So I feel lame. Like that you is objectively so what the lesson is from the winning. So best Look, I'm talking about Belichick and uh, Riley. You're talking about Sam f***ing Hanky. That <laughs> your, your process is so not trustworthy. He would kill Celebrity Jeopardy. You think? <laughs> you think? He would lose. He would be seven. I'd be calling him seventy-five dollars. <laughs> oh, shout out Cherry Shepherd. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, do not miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. DraftKings has you covered with lines on just about everything you can think of. I personally happen to love the player stat combos, particularly the points and assists and rebounds over-under. And if you are new to DraftKings, you got to check this out, because new customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So what are you waiting for? Go and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Pablo. That's code Pablo for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So what I brought to the discussion today is an interview I saw with Patrick Stewart. And I don't know if you guys appreciate the legacy, the institution that is Patrick Stewart, but one of our great actors, um, truly like what I imagine when I think of like classy, older British gentlemen. Um, And what he said in this interview with Esquire was this, quote, if I'd started therapy earlier, it would have benefited me sooner. Now I'm no longer afraid of talking about my childhood, end quote. And I bring this to you not because I want to, like, plumb the depths of Patrick Stewart's childhood, but because I feel like my grand hypocrisy in 2023 is that I know all of the, uh, the upside from friends, family members of therapy, and I have not gone, and I'm constantly sort of calibrating, like, Am I fooling myself into thinking that I'm the one who doesn't need to go, even as I recommend to everybody? Like, trust me, this is a thing that is so helpful. And so what I want to find out from you guys is when I say a quote like that from Patrick Stewart, how do you hear it? 
because I know both of you guys have personal experiences that I, I, I don't want to be too invasive about asking you to share. Who's going first? I'm happy to. Uh, I don't yeah, mind. Ahead. I don't mind this level of vulnerability. I found therapy hugely, hugely useful. I don't know in this case whether I would make it about you know parents and upbringing, although that's part of it. I would say the greatest tool that it has given me is an awareness, or more of an awareness of my blind spots and where I have to be forgiving of myself. What led me to therapy was traumatic enough that I will tell you this story. I don't think I've told this story before, but. Uh, so my father loses his job and he's a Cuban exile and his whole identity is tied up in the idea of work and work is what will get you to freedom. It's the most important thing. He loses his job and he has a breakdown, like just a total uh, breakdown on a cruise with my mother that was meant. I was happy. I was so happy. Dad, you're retired. I uh, gave them the cruise so that he would sail into the next part of his life. And he went, you know, he went, he, he had a breakdown on the cruise ship and when they come back, I have to go to see him in what is an, an, an asylum. And at the time I'm going to see him, um, somebody is clucking like a chicken in the corner. And it's, it's a place that's scary to me. And my mother passes out in his arms as we're getting there. And so the trauma of that mm. uh, uh, was such that I'm like, okay, I've got to analyze everything. I'm in charge here of whatever this delicate family balance is here. And I've got to like reach adulthood and uh, I've got to do some things that uh, examine because uh, I don't think a lot of people go to therapy just because they're looking for self-improvement. In fact, Pablo, I don't know that how you feel about your life or your balance or your general happiness. I think something would have to go wrong generally or not feel right to push someone into that. Otherwise, they think they got it figured out. But so the last 15 years and I've been rigorous about finding the right people to do this with. I have found that having that vulnerability and the ability to place it uh, somewhere helps me just in with an assortment of tools that, uh, among other things, help me be more forgiving of myself and give me some awareness in places where I could have used it that make me more adult. I can completely relate to what you said about am I, I'm always talking about the benefits of it, but am not going to it. Am, am I convincing myself that I'm the one who doesn't need it? For me. Uh, obviously, I have a close relationship with Dan and his therapy, which has been life-changing for him. Obviously, his life, as I've said before. Your, my Dan. Your about my Dan. Dan. Your Dan. Sorry, my Dan. A lot of Dan's um, in I, therapy. No, I just hate having to say my Dan, and I also hate having to say my fiancé. So it's just like the Dan that I— Soder. Use the context. Soder. It's not this Dan. <laughs> Soder. <laughs> it's the Dan. But he's had a very difficult life with a lot of obvious trauma. And I say obvious trauma because, like, people have died in his childhood that, yes. like, I did and, not experience And he's that. talked about this on stage yes. and, and, and all and of that. And therapy has helped him understand that, understand his relationships with family members that he can't currently still work on. They're no longer with us. Uh, I have had therapists in the past, um, good and bad. And currently— in this period of time where I am obviously in need of a therapist, still feel like, um, have felt, I should say, still have felt like, well, I, my biggest problem that I need help with therapy for is I feel like I got to do it all myself. And the hardest part of that is that you have to ask for help to get the help to teach you how to ask for help. And it's, it feels impossible to me because it's like, oh, no, no, I can figure it out. I will get a therapist once I blank. I keep putting off the like, we've talked about this a little bit on, on your show, Dan, this Dan, current Dan, um, about how like I've, I've put off the process of finding a therapist because I'm, first of all, terrified of finding a therapist that I don't match with. And people should know that that does happen. Right. Well, that's one of my questions is just like the matchmaking part of it. It like... sucks. It's the worst part. It's dating without any of like the benefits. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let me throw uh, all of my baggage at a person and see how they handle it. And then, and you also have to be self-aware enough to be like, am I rejecting this because it's helpful to me? Are they actually right? And I need to hear this. And so there's a, a lot of that that goes into it. But I think there are a lot of people who go to therapy, they don't like their therapist, and then they write off therapy. And I want to, if you're one of those people, I'm not judging you because I've been one of those people, um, but you got to just push through it. And so I now, I'm very happy to say, I'm at the point where I have identified identified the person I'm going to reach out to to be my therapist. And now I just have to force myself to sit down and reach out to that person. And so it's like, it, like anything, 
If you're like me and you feel like you have to fix all your problems, um, you don't, and you can just ask for help. And guess what? If it doesn't go well, you can um, stop doing that and then do it again a different way. Like, it just feels like everything I do, I'm always like, this has to be the greatest thing I've ever done. Instead of just like, just go talk to a person about all the things you feel. And that part is the part that I know I benefit from socially. Like, part, And this is not a substitute for therapy, this segment. No, but, no. But I, I, I sense... I sense the value of talking about stuff to other human beings. Mm -hmm. Like that most basic tool, Dan, of like you cannot internal monologue your way to where you want to be when you're dealing with what's hard in your life. And so when it comes to the toolkit, right, you referenced, Dan, the tools that you did not have that now you have— what does that mean practically? Like, again, I, I'm not, I don't want to turn this into a commercial for therapy as a concept. I don't think that's needed. But I am curious, Dan, like what practically you have found to be uh, useful in that toolkit. When Katie says something looks to her like a mountain that is too big or scary to move, I recognize that because I will, without getting into the specifics of it, I would just say that more generally... When I have had those kinds of problems that I bring into therapy, I am always surprised when you remove my blind spots, my lack of awareness about the things that shape me, how helpful it is if I have someone, anyone, never mind a therapist with expertise, but if I have anyone that I trust with whom I am sharing intimacy, that I can trust with that intimacy, to be careful with it and to be someone I am paying to help me fix whatever it is that I feel needs to have some aid, I found those mountains move a lot easier when I have the help of someone than when I am covered in my own shame or reluctance to actually approach the thing because I'm like, this is too f***ing messy. I can't handle this. I can't. Why would I even start? It's a messy room. I don't even know where to start cleaning up. I'm not going to get any momentum here. And so I'm defeated before I even start. But if you build on a relationship, and I will say it again, any relationship with someone that you trust and you are sharing intimacies, if that person has some expertise about you, never mind about therapy or psychoanalysis or the damages your parents did, if I'm giving them a data bank on here, here's this information about me. Can you help me with all the things that I do to neuter myself or sabotage myself or where I'm unkind? Can you help me? Intimacy with someone you trust is the most beautiful and helpful thing when they can help you. And so uh, I've finally gotten, man, my therapist was next to my brother's deathbed with me, like um, mm -hmm. holding my hand in his. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, wherever it is that I was scared of that, um, I can assure everyone listening to this that it's helpful. Right, right. Right. Katie, something that I think about all of the time. Um, sorry. Is like, I'm sorry no, to do that. No, no, don't guys. shut no, up. No, don't, no. Don't, hey, hey. Don't, I, I am. I had a segue loaded up. I know. I was like, we're going to get through it. It's okay. Damn it. I had a transition. Um, <laughs> it's gone but now. I, it's I gone didn't now. So I didn't have any experience with that either, though, right? So I arrive at grief and I don't, I'm lost, like just totally lost. But on that, Dan, right, like the idea of therapy as preventative or reactive, how do you see it, right? Because it seems like it prepared you on some level for something that still you had to you had to kind of figure out as I mean, it's it just, was happening. It's just okay. There's no shame in needing help, man. There's like, what's the, sh I don't, there's no shame in asking for it and needing it. Like we handcuff ourselves a lot. I mean, the real intimacy is being able to ask for it, receiving it, and then from there you can find what love, trust, the greatest, you know, the greatest touchstones to living that allow you to feel the deepest things. But in terms of, like, the self-consciousness about, like, is this about my parents? Is, am, I, am I a cliche? I do wonder if there is some relief in realizing that your story is a familiar story. There has to be because right? that content is all over social media. That's TikTok. I always am getting videos where someone's like, I, does this happen to anybody else? And the comments are all like, oh my God, it's so nice to know that that's connected to this and I have this. It's like uh, people do want to understand. I think people do want to understand themselves better. And I think once you do 
and you realize, I mean, I can speak to it specifically from I have ADD. I was diagnosed late in life. I really would have changed the game for me if I was diagnosed earlier. Because as you guys now know, I'm not dumb. I'm pretty smart, but I've got <laughs> some problems. Like there were some moments in Celebrity Jeopardy that I just, watching it back last night, I'm like, I wasn't listening when that clue was read. I was in my own head thinking about something else that had happened. I was very distracted. But so I was diagnosed later in life and there are things I didn't know at all were related because they're not the cliche ADD things. They're not like, ooh, plastic bag. But like constantly being late to stuff. My therapist was like, yeah, that's this is all the same thing. You cannot manage your time. You suck at it. She's like, you can't um, just hope one day you're going to wake up and know how to manage time. You have to take active steps. And here are some suggestions based off of people I've worked with who have this same thing that's happening to you happening to them. Here are three like tried and true ways you can do this. And here's how to have the conversation with your loved ones so that they don't think you're just lying and you don't want to be on time for anything. Here's how to manage this professionally. And they give you those tools. And so I think when you find out you're a cliche, there is that moment of like, oh, I'm not unique. I'm not an original butterfly. And then you realize like, that's what life is about. Life is learning that you are not original. You are not that special. I know we're told that <laughs> as children because it means that you're supposed to, we're supposed to encourage self-love as a child. You want to tell a child that they need to love themselves. But at the end of the day, we're all just people. And that's what I think therapy is good at showing you is that like, you are not so special and unique that this problem you have that you're like, no one could possibly solve this for me. Somebody can solve that for you. You just have to admit that like, this is a thing that happens and it's a thing I have to deal with. And this is partially me giving myself that pep talk right now. <laughs> like, just go, just go, just go. But it is, it is interesting what you say though, Katie, because it doesn't have to be as pejorative as I'm such a cliche. It can just be if I need my car fixed, I go to a mechanic who has seen a hundred such cars. If I need yes. a doctor, yeah. uh, I go to a surgeon who's done a hundred of these surgeries. And or if, you do your own research. Right. Or <laughs> you do your own research. Yes, you can just do it for yourself as I'm gonna, well. I'm going to... Just Google it. I, I, Reddit's got this. Just Google YouTube. It. Just, you know what? YouTube it. YouTube uh, <laughs> self-help and just see yeah. if somebody is in his garage you guys got this. Uh, giving you the advice you need to untangle why it is your edible complex. Edible. I made it edible. <laughs> your edible, edible complex, complex with your mother is problematic. I think all of us, it's safe to say, have an edible complex. Wink. <laughs> Wink. Is that a fat joke? Wink. Uh, well, not oh, not one. I thought it was a weed joke. Well, it is. on this side of the on this side of the it Zoom is. call, it is. It is with me. the The Freudian slip was the edible on edible that because I'm edible, I do so much eating. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So at the end of this Oh, shoot. Episode, I always forget about this part. We we find out that we have to have found something out. Mm. And uh, Dan, I'm going to ask you to go first because Katie clearly is still contemplating. I, I, am, I am happy to go first because I cannot say that this happens to me very often watching television. What I learned today is that if I see on television Katie Nolan genuinely joyous, then I, too, get to live vicariously through that joy because I was surprised that I was made happy by seeing her that happy. Uh, seeing I did not underestimate her. I didn't have anything in the way of expectations for what it is that would be. The only way I process it was I would be scared of doing that. I don't, I don't know that I would be somebody willing to have the bravery to do that because I would fear getting embarrassed. So when I saw her crushing it, uh, it was one of the highlights of my day to see her that happy because I know how good that had to feel, uh, restorative good that had to feel for her to be able to enjoy that. Bec and forgive me if I'm going too close to the lights here, Katie, but uh, in watching what a bad fit and how much it must have hurt you to go from ESPN to baseball and have Apple and baseball like sort of reject who you are, it made me 
it made me very happy to see you in front of lights you care about more than that, glowing and happy and radiant. Uh, and it, it gave me genuine borrowed joy. <gasps> it was like watching a great athlete finally get into an offense that is like, that fits them. It was like, yes, I want to watch this. We did this today on the show. I want to watch this YouTube highlight reel. This is fun. Which is nice. Uh, the thing Pablo said to me about it before was, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, <laughs> it feels like a make-a-wish situation. Oh, no. <laughs> and I oh, was no. like, well. It was a compliment. I don't oh, know no. if there's a nice way to take it, but I will take it that oh, way. Oh, no. I'm just mad you picked, I mean, I'm glad and happy and, and full of love that you said that. But I was, as he threw to you, I was like, oh, I know what mine will be. I found out that when Dan cries, I cry. There's nothing uh, that stops, like, that happened when we did your show, and it's happening, like, when you start to tear up, my eyes just well with tears. But now it sounds like exactly what you said, which is when I'm happy, you're happy. <laughs> so now you, I feel like I, I copied you. I bring you pain, grief, and tears. You bring me joy. Seems lopsided. No, I think it's an even switch. Meanwhile, need both. Meanwhile, as you guys are exchanging what you bring, emotions, <laughs> um, what I found out is that <laughs> is that in that very touching conversation about mental wellness, what I could not get out of my brain was the idea that somewhere Christopher Maloney is listening to Katie Nolan mention Dan sneak in that on some of those questions she wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> That's right. Like he I was, was lucky. In. I was buzzing lucky in with fury. I look on this. Pablo Torre <laughs> finds out like I'm masturbating on Celebrity Jeopardy. I knew the answers. Uh, Katie wasn't even paying attention, and she kicked there my. There was a puppy category. I was so distracted. They had yawning puppies. <laughs> <sighs> I, that guy is so miserable today because as mad as he was on that set, he lost to somebody who wasn't paying attention and is terrible at math. And isn't famous. <laughs> and is not famous. <laughs> An unemployed lady who just loves the show. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> make a wish, unemployed lady. <laughs> If you do not know who Elliot Stabler is, if you have not watched hundreds of hours of Law & Order like I have, please get familiar and appreciate the feud that Katie Nolan is engaged in. The second greatest feud, in my opinion, at Meadowlark Media, right behind the one that we have at Pablo Torre Finds Out with David Sampson, who continues to find out that we will not stop finding out stuff. Thanks to Michael Antonucci, Ryan Cortez, Sam Daywig, Patrick Kim, Neely Lohman, Rachel Miller-Howard, Carl Scott, Ethan Schreier, Matt Sullivan, Chris Tuminello, as well as studio engineering by Viridian Tech, post-production by NGW Post, our theme song by John Bravo. And yes, enjoy your weekend, unless, of course, you are Christopher Maloney. I will talk to you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.